This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I am excited today to have Becca Eisenberg on the podcast. We are going to talk a little bit about her new children's book and about kids who need to repeat a grade. Um, Welcome to the podcast, Becca. Can you start by just telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and um, go ahead and introduce your book as well? Well, thank you, Penny, but thank you for having me on the podcast and giving me the opportunity to talk about my children's book. Um, I really, I really appreciate it. Um, So, so my name is is Becca Eisenberg. I am a speech language pathologist and I work with children and adults with all different types of disabilities, but most specifically kids with more complex communication needs. Um, But I'm also a mom of two children and I wrote a children's book called My Second Year of Kindergarten because uh, my own son repeated kindergarten, and there weren't many resources out there um, to help guide me through the process. And um, I wanted to create a resource for parents and for educators to be able to, you know, look at this process as, you know, a really positive thing and to present it to your child as a really positive thing. So, you know, that a, that a child could, you know, begin this this journey in a really, um, you know, having, having a really nice outlook on it. And also, I think for parents to be able to, you know, guide them to how to tell their children, how to talk about it, I yeah. think is really important because, you know, when I was looking into it, there was really nothing out there for, you know, to help guide me through the process. So, and that's why I wrote the book. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's a really great resource because, um, like you said, there's not much out there because I think that the overarching um, opinion of repeating a grade is that it's negative and it's shameful and that it might be more harmful to kids. So, um, you know, when we as parents go out and search for literature about repeating a grade, and, and when I was considering the same thing myself, I found that you know, there were a lot of studies that said don't do it, it's more harmful than good, but I wasn't finding much positive support um, about it. So I love that you have this book um, all about it, and for the child who I think, as you said, you know, this book is going to guide them to have a positive journey on this process of going back and doing kindergarten again, um, specifically kindergarten in your book. Um, Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about what some signals might be for parents of a need to possibly repeat kindergarten or to repeat another elementary grade? Sure. So, I mean, just just to go also to go just a little bit back, and then I'm going to talk about that as well. Yeah is that when you did look at the research, it did look like I, I found the same 
I found the same type of results that it, that there wasn't, it wasn't a lot of positive results that, you know, and it did kind of made me think about, Hmm, is this really the right choice? But I think one of the things to, to, to always know is that we know our own children mm-hmm. and, you know, if we feel that this is going to be the best thing as well as collaborating with the school and the edu- you know, and the teachers and the therapists that are involved, I think that also helps make the decision much, much easier. Yeah. Um, but as far as the signals go, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to look at. I mean, the first thing is obviously, you know, academically, mm-hmm. um, is, is your child, let's say, absorbing the material in, let's say, in kindergarten or that, that, that particular grade? Um, are they having, you know, let's say, do they have a lot of delays academically? And that's one aspect of it. I mean, another aspect, which I think is really important, is socially. Yes. You know, because a lot of kids develop socially at different different stages, you know, and some are a little more immature than others. Um, and it may not just be about sometimes with age. I mean, I know a lot of times when we say repeat is that they're young for their age, and that is definitely a factor. But some children are just more immature than others, or they mature differently. Um, and one of the, like, I think one of the most important things is, okay, is your child happy? I, you know, do they have yeah. good friendships? Do they? And And the thing is, sometimes you just have to, look at, okay, do, you, do I think that they're going to be able to bond with children a little bit younger because they're more in that level um, socially? And I think part of also being happy in school is having, having good friends and, and feeling like you can relate to other kids. And so, you know, that, that for me was a big decision is I'm going to look at academics, but I'm also going to look at socially because a lot of parents will say that I've spoken to is that maybe their child was fine academically, but socially they weren't. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really big thing. I mean, that's, that's part of what makes us happy is feeling connected with other people. Um, so, you know, and, and also obviously, you know, you know, being in touch with the teachers, being in touch with, let's say if your child does have an IP and they have different services and you're speaking to the therapist, um, I know for me, it was something that, you know, it was, it was a longer process and, you know, really having meetings about it, talking about it, um, you know, even going to the, the elementary school principal and talking about it um, with her and, you know, really coming to the decision um, together as a team instead of saying, okay, well, this is just my decision. But, um, and, and I said that helped make it a lot easier. So, yeah, and I think it's really important to talk about those other aspects because a lot of educators say, and I think this is part of kind of the rules um, in particular districts, is that if a child is on target academically, they're on grade level or higher um, in assessments, that they must move on. Um, that was certainly something that we ran into when we were considering repeating a grade for my own son um, in fourth grade. And it was, you know, we actually had to push the school to say there's more to this socially and executive function um, was becoming a real problem. And he was just way behind his same age peers. You know, I think there's so many different aspects and they all matter. As you said, your child has to feel comfortable and connected where they are in order to learn. You know, I feel like if they're always on high alert, they're really uncomfortable, they feel like they don't measure up, um, 
they're not really very available to learn and that's what they're there for. Yeah. I mean, I love that when you talk about available to learn, because I think that's a huge thing is that if you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel connected with your peers, mm-hmm. some, you know, it really does affect you academically, Absolutely. you know, especially as the kids get older. I mean, so, you know, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, from our standpoint, my son was young for his grade, but he did meet, you know, the deadline to start kindergarten as an October birthday. And on he was on grade level and everything except writing, and he has a writing learning disability. Um, and they really wanted him to go forward, and they really felt very strongly. I mean, his special ed teacher looked me right in the eye and said I was damaging him for life if I held him back in fourth grade. Um And so, you know, we really had to push the fact that, look, he's being bullied. He feels like he doesn't belong um, in his class. He's scared to death to move on to the next grade. He feels like he's not ready. You know, I think you can see these signals from your kids, too. It's not just about our perspective of, of gauging where they are socially and emotionally and academically, but it's also looking at the signals or the red flags from our kids that um, it's really not the experience that it needs to be for them. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think as the kids get older, they definitely become more part of the process. So, yeah. you know, in my situation, my son was really young. So he, you know, I was kind of, it was more about let's say our perspective, you know, say me and my husband and also, you know, like, the teachers and how they felt. And luckily everyone was on the same page in my situation with yeah. regards to um, repeating the grades. But as the kids get older, definitely they have to be part of the process. And, you know, they have to be, you know, to be on board as an older child is really important. So, and one of the big things too that I, that I came across is every parent that I've ever spoken to who repeated their child, whether it was kindergarten, whether it was a different grade, never regretted it. Um, yeah. I never spoke to one person that said, wow, that really was not a good decision. Every person I've ever spoken to, and I've spoken to a lot of people, mm-hmm. I've always felt like it was the right thing. Um, so, you know, to me, it was, to me, what was the, what also was what you kind of talked about a little bit in the beginning was the fact that it was not really spoken about, you know, it's yeah. a very like hush, hush type of topic. And, I wanted to bring that forth into something that it's not something to be embarrassed about. Let's just, let's own it and be proud of it. And everyone develops their own, you know, they develop in, you know, at different stages. And, um, and I think as a parent too, if you come, if you talk to your parent about repeating and you don't feel confident and you don't feel really good about it, then your child is going to, you know, they're going to get that vibe and then they're not going to be as confident going into it. So, you know, the reason why I wrote the book was because I just wanted to give parents away and also some tips in the back as well about how to tell your child. I mean, that was, that was also, I think, a big thing is that, you know, when you're, let's say if your child is older and you're kind of going through the process together, it's, it's a little bit different than, let's say, a parent having to tell their child, listen, this is what you're going to be doing. You're going to be repeating a grade. Um, how do you tell your child that, you know, how is, what's that conversation going to look like? And, you know, one of the things, the big things is that, you know, it's a process, you know, it's not a one-time conversation, you know, yeah. um, 
sometimes my son still asks me, oh, why did I repeat kindergarten? And, you know, of course I have the book now, so it's cool. But, you know, it's, it's something I think for that children ask about for a long time. So, and it's really important when you're talking to your child about it that you're ready to talk to them about it. And you're ready to, let's say, say it in, I think, not scripted, but to say it in a way that you want your child to understand in that, in that way that, you know, this is what we're doing, not giving too much information, but giving enough information that you're also being honest and truthful. Because yeah. I think that's a huge thing as a parent is that, you know, our, our children have to, have to trust us, right? Yep. Um, and one of the things that I've always felt was important, at least for me as a parent, is being honest with my child and telling them, you know what, this is the situation, this is what we're doing, and this is why we're doing it in a way that he would understand. Mm-hmm. Um and, and being consistent with what I'm saying, not changing it, um, because it could, it could also confuse the child if you're, you know, if you're saying one thing one time and the next thing you're saying another. And one of the big things we did also talk about is having, one of the tips that I talked about, is being prepared to answer questions about it. Because children are going to ask, parents are going to ask, mm-hmm. and how are we going to answer those questions, you know? Um, because it could be, let's say, uncomfortable for a child and someone asks them, why did you repeat kindergarten? And they may not have an answer. So it's, it's one of those things to definitely talk about, too. What are we going to say to your friends when they ask? Yeah, make a um, plan. Um, exactly, exactly. I think making a plan is really important. So, I mean, yeah. So, it's, you know, for, for me, it's been a really positive experience. Yeah, and I think that conversation has to be really positive. I mean, you certainly want to be honest with your child, but you also want to make sure that you're balancing um, any negativity that comes with repeating with some positive aspects. You know, you get a second chance at this, or um, you're going to make so many new friends, or whatever it is. Um just having a really positive attitude about it, as you said, is going to make your child feel positive about it as well. And um, one thing I've really learned about anxiety is making a plan ahead of time for all those what ifs that your child is worried about can be super helpful to kind of tame some of that anxiety. So like you said, knowing what they're going to say if a friend asks them why they repeated a grade could really help them to feel more comfortable about going through that process. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, one of the other things, too, in the book is that I wanted I wanted other children to relate to the character in the book um, and, you know, seeing that other children also struggle with different things that, you know, children struggle with, let's say, drawing in the lines, you know, when they're coloring and they, they, they struggle with, let's say, maybe writing their name or, or reading or, um, you know, all, or maybe having a speech and language delay, yeah, you know, so and so, you know, right. And to, to normalize that, because I think sometimes, you know, let's say children with like various delays, sometimes they could feel alone. They feel like, well, why, why do I have such a hard time reading? Or why do I have such a hard time with, like, my speech and people can't understand me? You know, that yeah. I think what I wanted the book to do is lend a conversation to a child and their parent or to a teacher and other children that, 
you know what? Sometimes we all have, you know, we all have different challenges. It's how we work through them. Um, that is the most important thing, Yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. that the character in the book had challenges one year, but in the next year, in, you know, he, he, he achieved his goals. You know, he had a hard time in the beginning, let's say with drawing the lines, but then in the second year of kindergarten, he was able to draw on the lines and he was proud of it. Um, I remember with my own son, when he learned to draw in the lines, he drew this beautiful rainbow and he colored, he spent like an hour coloring the rainbow and we taped it on his door to his room because it was such a big accomplishment for him because, you know, he wasn't able to do that before. Um, You know, I'll never forget it. So it's, you know, and actually when I read the book to him, he remembers that, you know, so, yeah, yeah. so, and I think the book is also great. I mean, just like, I think for teachers to be able to read in the class, because, you know, all children need to have like this kind of flexible mindset when they need to say, well, maybe I can't do this now um, or yet, you know, but next year, but next year I will, or next year I'm going to really try to. Yeah. So that, you know, just because we're not, just because, let's say, a child is, let's say, not reading, you know, the way that, you know, their friend is reading in the class doesn't mean that next year they're not going to be able to, you know. So this is, I think, one of my points, too, is that, you know, we just have to, you know, we have to keep trying and we have to um, accept others for who they are and, um, and, and, you know, just get other children to relate to children with all various and disabilities. So. Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. I love the idea of teachers reading it in their kindergarten classrooms because then it helps the whole class, all the kids, recognize that some kids struggle with different things than they do and to kind of build acceptance of differences and build community within that classroom of students. I think, you know, our kids with um, ADHD or other delays end up kind of sitting outside on the periphery instead of being included or feeling included because other kids don't understand them. So I think that's a wonderful idea to help the kids really in a, in a class, um, especially kindergarten age, to start understanding that their peers have some differences and they have some differences and, um, that it all balances into this great community. Exactly. And I think also, like, one of the things, too, the more you talk about it, the more normal it becomes. Yeah. And, you know, one of the big things that I found with when you're re- repeating is that it's just, you know, like I said before, it's very hush-hush. And if we could talk about it, because, you know, like, some other people would say, oh, well, the kids don't realize, the kids don't know, but the kids do know, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the more that we talk about it, let's say, parents talking to other parents teachers talking about it in school make it making it more of like you know what some kids repeat and some kids go on to you know say they call a different grade right Mm -hmm. um so it's i don't know i just think i think the more we talk about it the more normal it becomes and and it doesn't become something that we have to speak in a quiet voice about or get embarrassed about because it's yeah yeah i kind of talk about um, the ADHD diagnosis the same way that if we as parents act like it's something shameful and it's a secret and we shouldn't tell anybody, you know, our kids are internalizing that, then they 
they read that to mean that their difference, their ADHD is something to be ashamed of. And instead, when we have conversations about our differences, then we normalize it, like you said, and, and it becomes something that's okay and can be accepted. Um, so I think that's really a powerful thing to have discussions and be open and accepting about a lot of different things um, with our kids and, you know, among the classrooms as well. One of the things yeah, that I... Yeah. The thing that I really love most about your book is the way that it frames um, kind of this second chance to succeed. Um, you know, and at the beginning, you're talking about, you know, my first year of kindergarten, I was really scared. But my second year, I know what to expect. And I think, you know, those are powerful messages for our kids that, they might not have done great the first time around, but that doesn't mean that it's going to go poorly the second time, that they can totally succeed at it, um, even though it's taking a second run at it. Exactly. No, I agree. And thank you. I mean, I also think it's like kind of it's a life lesson, too. I mean, I talk about it with my kids all the time is that just because you can't do this now doesn't mean that if you work hard, you can't do it next year in a couple of months. Like, I think it's just also part of development and, you know, kids with ADHD and with their learning disabilities, you know, we learn at different paces. Yeah. And sometimes it could be really um, overwhelming and intimidating when you have, let's say, if you have a, you know, a reading disability and you, the child next to you is reading chapter books and you're struggling to read, let's say, you know, let's say a much more simple text, yeah. right? Well, you know, instead of say, instead of feeling, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do it, saying, well, you know what? I can't do it yet, but I'm going to work hard and I'm going to achieve this, you know. I don't know when, but I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to continue to work hard. And I think that's, and I always, like, let's say I always tell my kids is that, you know what? I always think that it's like it's, it's going to serve them better in life. You know, when you, yeah. you're a hard worker and sometimes like the kids who struggle when they're younger because they have to work so hard for it, I think are, you know, are grateful and they have a, I don't know, a different, I think a different, it's a different sense of accomplishment when you've worked so hard than let's say for somebody where it just comes really easy and you really appreciate it. So let's say I think a child with, you know, learning, reading disability who struggled to read and that first time they stand up and they could read fluently and they could understand it and they could, they feel proud of it. I think in a different way of somebody yeah. who's, you know, just, just, you know, they learn it naturally, you know what I mean? They just yeah. learn it and it's, no big deal. Um, so I just, and sometimes, you know, I even tell my kids, like, I, I always tell them, like, I wasn't, you know, let's say when I was younger, I wasn't the best writer, you know, and I, I worked really hard. And, you know, I, I had some, you know, I had some failures and I had some successes, but I kept trying and I kept trying. And that's what we have to do in life is that not everything always comes easy. And it doesn't always come easy the first time. And if we don't get it the first time, 
then we're going to keep trying and we're going to do it a second time. And we're just going to keep doing it until we get, until we get where we need to go. And, right. you know, and so we talk about, you know, when I talk about my second year of kindergarten, so this is about kindergarten, but I think it's, and every time I speak to, let's say a parent or an educator about this topic, it always turns into a really long conversation because there's so many extended conversations that could happen just from talking about retaining. Um, or talk about, you know, repeating or any sort of delays or acceptance because, you know, it just, it kind of branches off. I think it's just so many bigger conversations that, you know, when you're a parent and you're going through this, it's, you know, a really passionate topic. It's something that I think we all feel if, we, if we're a child, and we, if we're a parent and we had a child to repeat, it's nothing that we take lightly. Yeah. You know, we don't just decide one day, hey, let's just repeat. You know, that sounds like a great idea, like we're, you know. It's a big decision, um, and I, I think we all take a lot of thought into this. Nobody takes this lightly, but when we make this decision, we, you know, we're making the best decision for a child and what we think is best. Um, so it's, it takes a lot of thought. It, it really does, and yeah. I think, you know, with, with this book, I think it's just, the book was intended for when you, you know, let's say you're going through the process of deciding, or if you've decided... Now we're in the place that actually like right around now is when most people decide, well, we're going to repeat, let's say for kindergarten or for any other grade, usually in the spring is when you decide you're going to repeat for the, you know, for the following year. How are we going to tell the, how are we going to tell our child, you know, how am I going to present this in a way that they feel good about it? Um, and a lot of parents, you know, are really nervous about telling their child because they don't know how they're going to react. And if we have, let's say, a child who's, let's say, let's say, delayed in the fact of, you know, being able to respond to things. Also, young kids, like a kindergartner is, you know, you're not going to be able to, it's a different, it's different emotions and kids express different emotions in different ways. So, you know, you can have a young child with anxiety who is, let's say, let's say they're, you know, dealing with that anxiety and it comes out in a different way comes out as a behavior or something right. like that because a child, young child, I would say, well, I'm anxious, you know, when they're five years old. Um, so we have to be, I think, as parents and we have to be able to work with your, you know, your child's team and like in learning about, well, what do these behaviors mean? And, um, or, or our child is telling us this thing, what does this mean? Let's work through this together because it's, because like I, like I said, it's a process, you know, it's not a one-time conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a big decision. It's a big um, life event. So it takes um, a lot of conversation too. It takes um, some focus to really work through the emotions of what's happening as parents and as kids. You know, I think for some parents, there's going to be a little bit of grief that goes with it and thinking, you know, this, why couldn't it be easier for my child or stuff like that and that you know you work through that with the adults and then you put on you know a positive attitude and you approach your child and, and how you talk about it and what demeanor you have when you talk about it with your child is going to be their signal of what emotions they should place on it exactly no I couldn't agree with you more I really couldn't I couldn't yeah. agree with you more about it. So I think, you know, for me, I, you know, in any talk, let's say, that I have with my kids, that it's an important talk, I really try to think about how I'm going to say it, um, how I'm going to come across. I want to be calm. I want to be, 
Um, I want to be positive, you know. Um, but there's just so many things to think about, you know, as far as bringing up the topic and talking about it. And it's always not something you want to do on the fly. It's something that you really want to be able to sit down in, let's say, like a safe, calm environment um, to talk about. You know, not something I think, I mean, I guess it depends on each family, but to me I felt like doing it at home was the most important thing, you know, where your child feels safe and, you know, whoever is, you know, if it's just you and your child or let's say maybe the siblings there, but usually, you know, for me, from my perspective, I felt like it was better for me to just, let's say me and my husband just tell a child first and then we're going to have a family discussion after that. Um, so, but everyone's a little bit different, you know, in how they want to present the information. Um, but so, and also one of the other things that I also wanted to talk about too, is that, you know, part of the reason we talked about, you know, reading the book in the classroom and teacher reading the book to other children. And I, I do have a reading guide that, that is available on my website and has a lot of really, you know, it's a, it's a pretty long reading guide, but it has tons and tons of activities that could be done at home or could also be used in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, let's say for parents that, let's say you read the book and you want to do some carryover activities, there's a lot of different activities. And I really thought about those activities as far as, you know, talking about different feelings and emotions. Um, and then being able to, you know, there's some academic activities as well, but, but it's a combination of it, different activities that could be done at home or school. Yeah. And we'll link to it in the show notes for this podcast episode as well. Um, and so I guess it's a good time now to um, announce that we are going to do a book giveaway um, of my second year of kindergarten to one of our listeners, if they go to the show notes, they um, will find how to enter for that giveaway. And um, the giveaway is going to run through April the 16th um, of 2018. I have to be very clear, I guess, since this podcast will last for years. Um, so you can go to the show notes there up until April 16th and enter to win um, a copy of Becca's book to use with your child or maybe your teacher to use in your classroom. Um, so I wanted to be sure that we mentioned that as well. And I think, you know, the only other thing that really popped into my mind as we've been discussing this is, um, of course, and I, and I feel like it should go without saying, but we should say it anyway, that um, you never want to place blame on your child for having to repeat a grade you know you never want to give them the feeling that um somehow they did something wrong or that they're broken and i i mentioned that because it's very easy um for kids with adhd to kind of internalize that message when they're constantly feeling different they're constantly feeling like they can't quite do what their peers are doing or they can't succeed in the same ways and so you know, when you frame that conversation very positively, you want to be sure that in no way are you, um, and you might not even be intending to give that message, but you just have to be really careful that they're not taking that message from the conversation and from um, the decision to repeat a grade. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I love that. I totally agree with you because I think some people could maybe do it. And that's why I like what you just said when you said, 
you know, even though we don't intentionally do that, right. we may say it, you know, without. And I think that's just a great point that even stating this is not your fault. This is, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I agree. I think that it could become, I could see how a child could feel like it's their fault, you know, if it's not said in the right way. So yeah. I really, you know, I think that's a really, really good point. Yeah, I think a lot of people listening will say, well, of course, I knew not to blame my kid. But I think, you know, it's more about those hidden messages that we don't intend that as parents of special needs kids, we have to be really careful about. Um, You know, it just takes more thought and mindfulness and awareness when we interact with our kids sometimes to be sure that they are not interpreting things in that way. Um, because, you know, they go to school and they already see that they're different. They already struggle. So they're already getting this um, message inadvertently that um, there's something wrong with them. And so as parents, we're always trying to um, trying to combat that, you know. And so you, you just have to be really aware and careful um, in conversations like this because we have to do more of the positive and more of the pumping them up and showing them where they're great and that sort of thing. So for sure, um, just be very mindful when we have those conversations too. We are. Yeah. No, I agree. I just the one thing too. I mean, I just think that, you know, the more proud you are, the more proud your child will be. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you know what it's, you know, so I think, you know, it's just a good, good, good way to end the conversation. So thank, thank you so much for, you know, again, giving me the opportunity to talk about this because it's, I think a really important topic and I just, you know, I, I really love discussing it with you. So thank you so much. Yeah, I thought it was a really important topic too. I know, you know, just from my own experience and how hard it was to get to the, the school to even agree um, for a grade repeat and how, enormously valuable it was Um, I wanted to be sure to talk about it but I also really feel like your book addresses it um, in a very healthy way for kids Um, and I you know I read a lot of kids books and there are a lot that just aren't that great you know (laughs) And, and in books in general I guess but and not to knock anybody else's books but Um, I just felt instantly from the very first page, the very first message connected in a way that felt really good, that this was the right way, the right message to give our kids. It it totally puts a positive spin on it. And that's really what our kids need. You know, every time they have a hurdle or every time they fall down, when we pick them up back up and we help them get going in the right direction again, we have to be positive to be successful with that. And that's, I think, why I really connected with your book and your mission here was because it was framed in a very positive manner for our kids. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. So thank you. Yeah, I re- it's, it's a really great message. And I hope that a lot of our folks will pick it up and a lot of people in other areas I hope it's hugely successful for you Um, and like I said yeah like I said people can go to parentingadhdandautism.com 
backslash 036. This is episode 36. And in those show notes, they can enter um, to win in the giveaway. They can also find a link there to the reading notes. I will link over to that as well as Becca's um, website and how you can connect with her further. So with that, I thank you again, and we will conclude this episode of the Parenting ADHD podcast. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD podcast with Penny Williams. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit the website parentingadhdandautism.com for so much more on successfully raising kids with ADHD. Be sure to check out the podcast section as well for previous shows. Join us next time for more parenting strategies and insights that actually work for kids with ADHD.